This is something we've, Neil and I have been talking about doing for um, quite a while. Uh, it's always been kind of a goal for me to, instead of preach some Sunday, to get to do something like this, uh, because you guys have more stories than I do, and sometimes they're better stories. And Neil's got a wonderful story. I think just about everybody knows Neil, and um, you probably met Amy and the kids. So which one's that one? That one's Madison right That's there. Madison. There's Madison, yep. there's Abby, and then there's Carter. And you may not know this, but in an effort to, uh, to be greener, we are actually powering the building today off of Carter. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how Carter yep. runs all the time. All the uh, time. <laughs> sure. And Neil and Amy have been with us for a little over a year now, I think. Yeah, just a little they over a year. started about um, January of uh, 2015. Um, Joined us, I think, in the fall. Baptized your kid, one Madison. Madison, yeah. yeah. And um, and we just they just been a great blessing, incredible friends, and, and I just absolutely love having these guys around. Neil and Amy have been through kind of a difficult year, and uh, while many of you may know about what they've been through, um, we just we talked about this early on that when everything was good, that we would have a little dialogue message where we got to share. Neil's story with everybody else. So Neil, if you'd like to, in, in your own words, okay. uh, it all starts, well, for you, it all kind of started on September 30th. September yep. 30th, last fall. Uh, what happened? Uh, on September the 30th, uh, I got a really bad headache at work. And, Neil, uh, let me just interrupt. Yep. I won't do this all the time. Neil's a teacher in yes. Paris, teaches yeah. third grade. Yeah. They're a very brave. brave man. So I, I was concerned that the headache was just them, but it wasn't. It was actually, it was actually legit, legitimate. And um, I was taken to uh, the emergency room where they uh, did a brain scan and found out that I had a brain tumor. Initially, they said that it was very small. It was 3.5 millimeters. And then about 20 minutes later, they came in and said it's about 3.5 centimeters. So, so that's very big difference in size. Yeah. In about 20 minutes time so that's that's about yay big yeah about right yeah uh, and there's not a lot of real estate up no. there no i didn't want them to take any more evidence than whatever it got so. <laughs> we were here it was a wednesday we yeah. had the uh, children uh, youth lunch and we immediately stopped and prayed mm -hmm. and uh, got together and then um, i got with neil a little later so you hear those words from the doctor those words mm -hmm. that no one wants to hear that it's a brain tumor Right. And what are, what are you immediately feeling first when that happened? I did feel like life was over at some point. I, I didn't know. They didn't know that it was cancerous. They explained to me that they didn't know that it was a cancer, that if it was cancerous or not, which it ended up not being cancerous, which was a great thing. But um, just kind of very hopeless, very distraught. Uh, I, I remember just laying in the room by myself, and I couldn't have the lights on because the light was hitting me so hard um, and just thinking you know I didn't I didn't know what was gonna happen I, I, I thought life was actually over I didn't know the options I was very scared um, which they had told me they were gonna take me to in ambulance to Carl but I didn't know what was gonna happen from there I didn't know if it was right. gonna be emergency or something I could put off so so you started in Paris yep. and then you were taken up to Carl yeah and uh, so as what would you say your biggest fear was in that moment when, uh, when you hear those kind of words? Just, just not knowing what Carl was actually going to want to do at that point. And um, 
You know, the kids weren't with me. My wife wasn't with me at the time. And so I didn't know what was going on with them. Um, I had spoken to Amy on the phone very upset. And my mother was very upset that they had spoken to. So I wanted everybody to be safe getting up there and just figure out what was going on with it. So, so they tell you you've got a brain tumor. And your first concern is, I hope my family is safe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. not where a lot of us would go. No, but I, I did. I, I really care about them a lot. And so I just... It's a very selfless... Yeah thought it's amazing so you got up there and and you know we're discovering that it's mm -hmm. um it was a it was not cancerous no no and in fact this had been with you they said it could be with it could have been with me my entire life yeah they, they didn't know they grow about a millimeter a year millimeter a year and three and a half centimeters is 35, 35 millimeters years and you are 35 you're 35 so <laughs> Which it ended up being 3.8, so I don't know if 8. I bought three years there or what's going you, on. You but. aged faster once you heard the news. <laughs> once I found out, I'm sure I did. So your, your biggest fear at the moment was, you know, your kids, you want your kids to be safe, you want your wife to be safe. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. So you get, you know, I think one of the things that we always wonder about, what kind of support do we get in a situation like right. that? What kind, of, what kind of support did you receive? Can you tell us about some of the ways that you were blessed well, during that time? The first thing, I just have a lot of people, you know, of course, you have Facebook now and, and just people sending a lot of prayers and saying they're praying, so that's encouraging. Uh, we had a, some monetary support, people wanting to pay for things. They knew that I couldn't work at that point. A lot of food. A lot <laughs> we of had a lot of food, and I didn't really feel like eating, so. Uh, I delivered food to his house one night. People were dropping food off at my place, and then I was taking it, and it just kept coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's like boxes of food and I had to give it all away and I think I invited I you to stay for some you did <laughs> I could have stayed those uh, lasagnas look pretty good yeah they were they weren't bad now let's back up just a little bit I just realized yep. we probably got it okay so September 30th you get the diagnosis surgery right. didn't happen until November 30th November 30th so you yep. had two months yep yeah two months that you have to uh that you have to live with this mm -hmm. and you're not knowing what's going on so, you got prayer, you got people encouraging you, people offered to, to watch your kids. Yeah. Had they not met your kids? Uh, I don't know. But <laughs> after they met them, I'm not very many people offered. So. <laughs> I'm kidding. These kids are great. Yeah, they are very good. active. Um, but yeah, we had just a lot of encouragement. Wonderful. Family was real good to us too, so we're blessed. You're very blessed. And your church? Tell us about your church. Well, um, are you wanting right before surgery time? Yeah, the let's, church? let's jump up to there. Yeah. Uh, well, the, uh, I had been reading James, and I, I knew somewhere in Scripture that you have the elders pray with you in, in a time whenever you know that you don't know what's going to happen. And so I met with the elders, and they prayed and anointed me, and you were there, and I think Steve was there. Yep. So it's kind of hard to remember who all was there at the point. But Your kids were there. Everybody was there, there. yep. And, and so that's they prayed that, over me. That's something that we do. Um, we try to be as biblical as possible about it. You know, we mm -hmm. don't show up and demand that you allow us to anoint you. The, right. the Bible says, call the elders. You know, you, you make that call. We, we don't have, you know, we don't have precognition of your medical conditions. <laughs> you know, it, you have to let us know and, mm -hmm. and you have to request it. According to Scripture, you, you request that and, and yeah. Neil requested it. We spent some time together and our elders do a 
They're amazing guys. When it comes to prayer, they do an amazing job of, of praying for those in need. Um, prayer's big, and prayer's big for Neil, I know, and for Amy and the kids. They're big on prayer. You are also, I, I got to tell you, I, I know very few people who love the scriptures like Neil loves the scriptures. Mm-hmm. He has an incredible love. He, he has these, uh, get the kids together and have scripture marathons, Bible yeah, marathons. Bible marathon. They, they go out a lot before. Yeah, they go out and they, it was like in a tent. You go. Uh, you we go. did well, kind of in the basement. We had a tent set up and yeah. kind of did that. And then Let's we get did together. The and they room re- and... You read scripture till the kids fall asleep. Yeah, and uh, it's wonderful. It's just an amazing thing. So I know you got a great love for scripture. Um, were there any scriptures that you held tightly to during those days? We'll yeah talk about them. Also, if you're using the app today, it, all of these scriptures are on the app. If you're mm-hmm. if you're an app person, uh, the first. First one I have is Philippians 4.11. It says, uh, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Okay. Which was very hard to be content in that situation. But Philippians 4, 4.11. 4.11, yeah. Paul's writing that from jail. Mm-hmm. He's very concerned that he could lose his life at any moment. But he says, I've learned that in all things I can be content. Yep. And so that was a scripture that you, with a... With a brain tumor, yeah, learned that even in that situation you could be content. Yeah, and, I, and I, I actually had a lot of peace. I did go back to work for about a month and just kind of carried on with life. So, I mean, you just have to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Sure. And you have it in there, but you can't get rid of it until the day of. So. Right. You lived with it that long. You can yeah. Live with it a little bit longer. Right. Uh, what other scriptures? You know, several from Philippians four. Yeah, Philippians four thirteen. Uh, well, we actually sang it this morning. Yeah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens that me. Amazing. Yep. Yeah. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Now, mm-hmm. that's probably one of the most out of context scriptures there is. <laughs> so, what were the all things for you in, in that moment? I, I was just concerned about getting through the surgery and getting through that month. Yeah. I, I didn't, I know a lot of people misuse it and they're going to run a marathon, so they claim to that scripture, but I was just wanting for the here and now and that particular time. I saw a cartoon last night, a husband trying to open a jar for his wife, and he quotes Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and she says, it's a jar of pickles. It's, you know, don't, don't, don't misuse scripture to open a jar of pickles, but yeah. in that moment, your all things were... Yeah. We're pretty big, and mm-hmm. found peace at that. What else you got? Uh, Matthew nineteen twenty six, where he says uh, he's talking about the the man that's going to go to heaven and the rich man that it'd be easier for a camel to pass through. And I have a needle kind of deal, but he says at the end of that, with men this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible. So, um, just what I'm thinking of what man could have done or helped me with. But with God, if even if I didn't get through it, there was some possibility in salvation and, and all those things that I'd been looking forward to that I'd be delivered to the other side, the right side, hopefully, when I got to the other side. So I was really praying that a lot. But. So for yourself, you were at peace. Yeah. And Scripture played a big... Mm-hmm. You're, you, don't, you don't start... You know, it's kind of like, like having that savings account. You don't start that savings account the day you need it. You start that a long time earlier, and then when right. something bad happens, you've got something to draw from. Right. And in those good times, Neil was banking Scripture. Um, this is something that I, I can throw Bill Carrion in on this, too. Um, Bill is an amazing man of the Word. Mm-hmm. And 
prior to Bill's cancer, uh, he he devoured. I mean, he just went through his Bible. He's a, an incredible man of a man of the Word. And he told me in the midst of his chemo treatments and other things, he says it's really hard to concentrate. Right. And he, he was feeling bad that he wasn't able to read Scripture like he had before. And I said, Bill, you've been banking it for mm-hmm. years. You have been saving those Scriptures up in your heart, you know, Place them in your heart, place them in your mind, and that's what's going to get you through this next step. And you know, I, I, I just absolutely love that, and it puts me to shame when I think about you know how many times I need to read the scripture and I need to get back and need to mm-hmm. keep those things in there, you know, for those tough times that come along. One of my favorites is Romans eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a memory verse before I even knew it was in the Bible. I read a book, <laughs> and the author of the book kept saying this thing: I can do you know that. That all things work together for the good. And I kept reading that thinking, that's an amazing statement. And finally a friend of mine said, that's in the Bible. And I had no idea it was in the Bible. But Romans 8.28 is that um, just wonderful little reminder that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purposes. Um, it's a scripture that also can get misused. Yeah. Um, not all things are good. No. <laughs> Brain tumors are not good. Nope. No. Uh, a lot of the things we go through are not good, but in all things, God works for the good. Now, how has God worked good through this situation? Well, uh, there, there were a lot of people that stood up and, and just helped out, and that's a good thing. No matter what situation anybody's in, just to see people rise up. Uh, Jim came out and gave communion to me. Just, I mean, people were just there mm-hmm. and at, a, at a phone call. I mean, I called him, and he was right here to do it, so... It's, it's pretty nice to see that people are ready to jump on and, and help out and like with the food and all that stuff. I had a lot of people from work, even, even non-Christians alike, too, which it kind of, you know, seeing that I was a Christian, and one of them even told me I don't really believe in all that stuff, but I want to help you out anyway. So I think she knew just the respect between her and I that that was, that that was there. Um, I would have to say that I, I was blessed by the kids too, um, the time off, and I hate to say that, but there was a lot of time that I had to spend with them that I would not have gotten another way. So I, I looked at it from that perspective of I'm off work, I'm going to spend time with them, I'm going to read Bible with them, and I taught them a lot at homeschool too, so it was kind of nice. That's great. And you just had that assurance that your purpose here wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't over. Yeah. God still had plans for you. Yeah. You know, that's that's the last half of that verse. You know, mm-hmm. all God works all things for the good of those who have been called according to His purpose. Yeah, who love Him, and so Neil was just continuing to focus on God's purpose yep. and trying to see God's purpose through this. So you get the diagnosis. Um, you knew surgery was inevitable. You had started out. Well, you started out at Paris Community, mm-hmm. then you're transferred to Carl, but in the end, you decided to go all the way up to Mayo. Right. Um, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about that decision, just because I know a few others have been to Mayo and uh, speak very, very highly. We hear about the Mayo Clinic a lot. What made you decide to go to Mayo? Uh, I think just hearing other people. I know I'd talked to Nancy about it before, and that's where she went. And then I did some research on it, and they had very high ratings. And so I thought, well, and they were number one in the country, the one in Minnesota. Yeah. And so I was thinking, well, my brain's probably the most important part of my body. Why not go to sure. the place that's rated the highest? And Mayo had a 90%? Yeah, 90%. And you're a teacher, and so 90% is 
That's an A. That's an A. <laughs> so we're going to go where there's an A. Yeah. Right. That's good. So, but as far as local hospital, you felt you said you felt very safe at Carl. I did. Um, actually, when I was there, I didn't want to leave. Yeah. They kind of had to make me leave <laughs> because I, when I got there and they... My mom had the same problem. Yeah. She didn't want to leave. The nursing staff was great up there. They made me feel very comfortable. And so I, did, I didn't want to leave. I felt good, pretty safe in their care. They do amazing work up there. Yeah. And, you know, I get, a, I get to see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of very wonderful people up there that care for you. So, um, so for those who might find themselves in that position someday where they've got to make a decision, do I stay local or do I seek out something like Mayo? And Mayo does a lot of, a lot of great work. Uh, how well were you cared for physically, emotionally, and, and spiritually while you were there? At, at Mayo, um, of course, the doctors are very good. They don't talk down. They really try to get to your level because I didn't know any of the terminology that they're going through. And so they, they didn't act like that they were smarter than me or anything. They explained it in a way that I could understand and showing me the pictures and things of, of, of the tumor. Um, the uh, day of surgery... They, they do have a chaplain in-house. I, I don't know if he works with them or if he's just, I don't, he, they let him come in. And so he came and prayed with me before the surgery, and I, I really appreciated that because I was a little nervous sure. before surgery and everything. And then just the nursing staff, just wonderful. They didn't really force anything on me. They're really nice about making me get out of bed and walk and all that stuff. They were nice about that? Yeah. Well, one of them <coughs> finally said, hey, you got to get up and walk today. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Because I didn't feel like it at all, no. but she didn't get mean about it or anything. It was it was a wonderful experience, and so I was very pleased with their services. Yeah. Um, I just want to take a moment and, and talk about uh, about the church up, churches up in that area. We, um, as a church, obviously we were very concerned. Neil's going to be very far away. Amy's going to be very far away. We want to be able to minister to them, but you know, can we get to Mayo? Is it you know is it possible for us to get up there too? Um, you know, and, and it's in the middle of winter, not yeah. a good, you guys had some interesting driving getting there. And yes, back we did. Yeah. Cause, uh, it gets cold up there. And the last time we went, there was a lot of snow in the ground. A lot of so. snow. But we were very, con very concerned about that. So we contacted a church in, uh, Rochester, Minnesota, right there, very close to Mayo, a church called Hope Summit Christian Church. And I called up, called them up and I was talking to a lady there and I, I told her we have a young guy that's going to be there for brain tumor surgery. Is there anybody available to pray? And she said, well, of course. That, what I love about it is they obviously know that Mayo is in their backyard. That's part of that church's ministry. Their, part of their ministry is to reach out to people from all over the country, probably all over the world, mm -hmm. and to pray with them, to care for them through those very, very scary moments. And they, they emailed me back. They gave me updates. Some of their elders had gone to, to pray with Neil and you know, they took really good care, came in and visited again after the surgery was yep. over. Um, but it was one of those things that just was a, a beautiful reminder of how we have to pay attention to what is, what is the, the context, what is the, where has God placed us? You know, their context is Mayo, and mm -hmm. so they've made that part of their ministry. What context are we in in Kansas, Illinois? You look at some of the struggles that we have. We've got some very, very you know, difficult problems with income, some difficult problems with, with addictions and such in our community, God didn't put us there by accident. We're not here by accident. And if we're going to do those three things over there on those posters, uh, on those uh, banners, gather, grow, and serve, we need to reach out in a lot of ways and, and look at what those needs are around us. And 
they did, they've done a beautiful thing, but it was one of those reminders that we need to pay attention to where we are. Mm -hmm. And we don't have mail in the backyard, but we have some people with some big needs, yeah. and we need to be aware of that. So, so you go to Mayo, um, you have surgery. Did you survive? I survived. Okay, great. I'm here, so. uh, <laughs> tell us about the surgery. Tell us what, how it went. Uh, it Were you awake? You weren't awake for this. No, no, no. <laughs> it was a ten-hour-long procedure, and probably from the time they actually got me in, though it was twelve, I would say, with prep work and everything. Awesome. Um, surgery went pretty well, I guess. I wasn't up for any of it, but <laughs> they were giving messages to my wife. Like what kind of messages did they give you? That I was still alive. Okay, she was going like this. <laughs> no. uh, but they did a. I, it was almost a six-inch incision in the back of my head and then they I don't know if they put the freeze dried bone in but they cut a lot of the skull um, to remove it they they said that the tumor was right at like 3.8 or 9 mil or centimeters so it was very large and the cystic region that was attached to it was even was very large and so they had to remove a whole lot of, yeah. of tissue whenever so there was that. a there was a tumor and then around the tumor there was a cyst there was a cyst and the cyst had to be drained yeah and the tumor had to be and this was on your auditory nerve yeah it, it's um it's the one in my right ear the auditory okay. i can't remember what the acoustic neuroma is what the okay medical name was for it so it's a word you didn't even know a year yeah ago. i know it now yeah <laughs> so you were in surgery for 10 12 hours back home here we were praying and we were fasting, and uh, that was that was an amazing experience. Uh, I, I had told people Sunday before your surgery, fast a meal for Neil. You mm -hmm. know that was our that was kind of our little word, you know, our little phrase, fast a meal for Neil. And what I loved about it is you guys took that seriously. I had people coming up to me. Uh, we had a funeral visitation that night here, mm -hmm. and people were coming up to me. Is he out of surgery? Can I eat yet? You know, they were <laughs> they taking were people who had never fasted before took it very seriously, and they experienced that. And and I think that's part of the good yeah. that came through this. We took prayer very very seriously, as, as we always do. But but it was an interesting participation in that, and they were eager for you to get out of surgery as quick as possible. Yeah, and uh, I fasted too, but not willingly. <laughs> not willingly. <laughs> Mashed potatoes, you said, tasted really good after. They were the only thing that, the tasted, only thing that good. tasted good. <laughs> Everything else is pretty bland. So, so you uh, you got you have surgery, then you wake up. Yep. You eventually woke up. Eventually. And uh, <laughs> I still wanted to I wanted to talk about this part. Oh here. man. Am I supposed to leave that? Leave yeah, that we can talk All about right, it. It's kind can. of a joke, but I thought this would be fun. What what happened like right before the surgery, Neil? As you were going under. Well, I had a really good anesthesiologist yeah and evidently she made an impact on me really that's all i can say really yeah that's it she was good she was at, good at her job at her job and she might have been kind of attractive maybe a little bit right. yeah and under the <laughs> under the effects of the anesthesia did you contemplate well i guess i did uh <laughs> when i woke up you woke up yeah, yeah. but you're, yeah. and my wife had to be standing there when i was thinking about the anesthesiologist so. <laughs> I, I guess I told her I was leaving her for the anesthesiologist, oh, which was a joke. I was, you know, it was, sure. it was intended to be a joke. My wife has seen me under anesthesia <laughs> a couple of times, and look at her, roll her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to have fun with the anesthesia as well. I don't so. think the anesthesiologist wanted anything to she do with me. She did probably not. No, at that moment. <laughs> so, so you wake up in recovery. Yeah. And 
what's <laughs> I guess I should say what's going through your head? Uh, well, at that point, it wasn't good. But... What was? What was <laughs> yeah. What was going through your head when you woke up? Uh, well, after that, I guess I went back to sleep for a little bit, which is probably a good thing that we're off. Sleep it off. Um, but when I did wake up again, I just remember thanking God that I was on the other side of this because I didn't know if I would be on the other side of it going in. I remember the last time I looked at the clocks at 8.15, and I don't know what it said when I woke up. I had double vision and all kinds of stuff going on, but I just remembered being glad that I was on the other side of it. And you first thought you told me was, I love Jesus. Yep. That was one of the first things. I either said it, mumbled it, slurred it out, I don't know, but I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Yep. So surgery was successful. Mm -hmm. They got it all. They got it all. And so what's the prognosis from here on out? What do you get to do? Well, every two years, I've, I've got to go up and get a, an MRI of the brain. And uh, as far as hearing goes, I've, I've got to get fitted for a hearing aid. But other than that, I was supposed to lose the hearing, and I didn't. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. So they told Neil that under you know no chance at all that he would get to keep his hearing in his right ear. Yep. Um, that they were going in there, and the way they were going to go in there was going to drain this fluid out of your ear. Is that right? Well, that's what Carl had recommended. Okay. But with yeah. this one, it was a little bit different. A little different. Yeah. But there was no way you were going to keep your hearing. Yeah. And he calls me. Surgery was on a Monday? Monday. You called me on Wednesday. Yeah. And the first thing he says is, well, one of the first things is, mm -hmm. I can hear. I was talking to you in the ear that they told me I wasn't <laughs> going to use. He's got to keep his hearing. Yeah. Now, it's not perfect. No. Um, you got high range and low range is good, but the mid range? Uh, the low range is pretty good. The higher it gets, it loses. But it's gotten better. It's gotten actually a lot better since yeah. I've gotten out. So I'm kind of waiting on the hearing aid thing, hoping that the year will yeah. maybe it'll just go away. That was one of our prayers. Um, I didn't. I had no doubt you were going to come through this alive. I mm -hmm. mean, I, it, to me, I just had this peace about that. Mm -hmm. And my prayer was, Lord, I know he's going to be okay. Do something cool. Uh, let him keep his hearing. And when you called and told me that you could hear, I just about broke down. And yeah. I, I was, I couldn't wait. We were watching a video in the other room that night. And I wanted to hurry up and just shut it off and say, he can hear. He can yeah. hear. So. It was actually pretty normal because they just, they put their fingers up there. And I'm like, I can hear that just fine. And he's like, kind of looked at me. Yeah. Like, you can hear out of that ear? Yeah. Okay. Wow. It's awesome. So That's amazing. Um, so prior to this, you're an amazingly I always, I've always felt your faith is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. But prior to this, uh, how has your faith changed since? Uh, how has it changed you? How has it changed what you believe? Well, I mean, before this, everybody you know goes through doubt, times of doubt and things like that, and and, and I have in the past. Um, but after this procedure, I, I remember speaking on the the phone with my brother, and I said, without a shadow of a doubt, there is a God. And so I absolutely know there is one. I know that, that God exists. I, there's no question in my mind that he doesn't, which I think that maybe before, you know, I would have went through those doubt, times of doubt. Everybody and, does. And now Everybody does. I don't. Uh -huh. um, I, I see that he has worked tremendously through the church, and I know that the church is a good thing, and that his people are blessed by him when they do the good things. Because I, I, I don't know anybody that didn't come out that was smiling when they didn't come out to the house and give us something. So they felt blessed by what they were doing. That's wonderful. And things that you'd worried about before? Don't worry about them. You just don't worry about those. Not things. anymore. You've got a whole new perspective. I have a new perspective, yes, definitely. So let's say tomorrow, 
someone in this room, something happens, they get a very tough diagnosis, um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's their turn. Uh, right. So what would you tell someone in this room who suddenly is dealing with something that they didn't see coming? Right. Well, the, the first thing I didn't want to do, which was I had questions to God, you know, uh -huh. but I didn't want to blame him. I didn't know if this had a good outcome, if it was going to be the end. I didn't know why his plans were through it. But, don't, you know, I don't know if it's all right to question God, even though I did. Um, but he's don't big enough him. for your question. Yeah, I think he's I think he can handle the question. and He knows uh -huh. that we will. Um, but another thing is. Um, before the surgery, I was probably the strongest in reading the Bible that I had been in years. Mm -hmm. And so just I was just trying to find answers to all of them. And all of them were, were promises, like we talked about earlier, of be faithful to me and I'm going to get you through this. And, and there's, other, there's other things, too. I thought I was thinking of Paul to live as Christ but to die as gain, too. So if that were to happen, he would be glorified one way or the other yeah. in that. I had a friend of mine about a year ago had a cancer diagnosis and he called mm -hmm. me up. He's a preacher and he's, he was just in, you know, in tears and very, very concerned. And he said, I've been trying to read my Bible more. He, he said, I'm trying to read Job. And I said, don't read Job. Yeah, that's a bad one. Job I didn't is, read that. Job is depressing. Yeah. And, and there's all of these wrong answers that his friends keep throwing. I said, don't read Job. Read Isaiah. Um, because Isaiah gives you this picture of a God mm -hmm. that is bigger than anything you're going through. It's God that can measure out the, the waters in the hollow of his hand and he can measure the sky with the span of his fingertips. You know, that's the God, that's what right. you need to be reading and that's who you need to be concentrating on. The end of Job wouldn't be bad to read. The end when is fine. Yeah, just skip to the end. Yeah, go to yeah. the end of that. Everything gets restored. Several chapters, probably not the best yeah. to read when you're depressed. <laughs> so, promises from God. Yeah. this promise. Yeah, just claim the promises, get your. Get your church involved. Get your family involved as much as you can. But your church family, and, I, and we noticed that too, was really big on just coming in, wanting to pray, help us. Like I said, we talked with the elders. Mm -hmm. If I don't, I think if we didn't have those supports, and Amy and I have talked about this before, it would have been very difficult to get through, not without anybody coming in and praying with us and supporting us. So. A lot of times we're, we want to be very private about some things, you know, and, mm -hmm. and sometimes we need to, you yeah. know, um, but your church family is there for you. And uh, we were we were quoting scripture to each other out here in uh, in the other room this morning and we went to Hebrews, uh, do not forsake assembling together as some are in the habit of doing, mm -hmm. but all the more as you see the day approaching. And the point of that scripture isn't just about what what assembling, what coming together for church does for you, it's about what you're going to do for someone else. It's about the encouragement you can offer. And I've told a lot of people that. I'm looking at Kim over here, and I've said, Kim and, and Alyssa, there's someone else down the road that's going to go through this. I said that to all of us when we went through the fire. We're going to have another church come to us who's going through a fire, and we're going to get to tell them how, they, how we got through. We're going to get to tell them our story. We're going to get to bless mm -hmm. them. And same with you, Neil. You yep. know, someone's going to come along that, that needs to hear your story. Right. And, um, and that was really important to us. I think you may have been one of like the first calls because you came to Champagne even yeah. when that was done. So I wanted to get, I wanted to start the process of it because I knew, I knew how important prayer was in this issue. Mm -hmm. I knew it was, it was extremely important. And just reaching out, I talked to well, Paul Honnold had the same experience. That's yeah, a beautiful, a beautiful example right there. Yeah. Paul had been through it years ago, yeah. and Paul was able to offer you encouragement mm -hmm. and help. 
gave me a lot of phone numbers. He even gave, I think Amy went through his notes of what happened during surgery and all that. So things she was looking for, it was kind of nice to, to know if they were going to be very similar. That's great. Yep. Anything else you'd like to share? I mean, they've got another, we can just go keep going on if you want. I think I'm pretty good on that, though. I think we've shared enough scripture and things. But I, I definitely look to God in those times because blaming him, it's not going to do any good. Uh, you know, get in the Bible, get in the scriptures, get in the word. Don't don't put that stuff off. And, and I mean, I know that we rely on the doctors and things like that, which I did. I mean, uh, but I did pray about every decision before we made it, even just going to Mayo. I wanted it to be right. And, you took some of the phone calls. Some of them were pleasant. Some of them were. Uh, <laughs> some, some of them were pretty rough. But we got there, and just just getting your church family involved is ever so important whenever you go into these types of things, especially a brain tumor, which hopefully no one gets one in this congregation. I'm hoping that doesn't ever happen. But if it does, or something similar, something bad, or just any situation, you know, that's what our church family's for. So, Amen. yep. Let's take just a moment and pray, and I'm going to let Neil go sit down. <laughs> Father, uh, it's not just that you take us through these difficult times, but you take us through them together. And as much as Neil and Amy and the kids have been blessed through this time, Lord, uh, we were blessed to be able to be there. We were blessed to be able to be part of his story as we prayed, as we fasted, as we cared, as we reached out. Lord, I know there's, I know there's other people in our community, in our church that are hurting, and I know that there will be difficult diagnoses for for people ahead. I just pray that what we've seen today and what we've experienced together would enable us to, to be all the more diligent, all the more uh, willing to, to reach out to help, to lift someone up going through that horrible time, to remind them that, that you are good and that you do work all things together for good. We love you. We thank you for the amazing way that you love us and the amazing way that you use us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Please give him a hand for helping us out today. Thank you, Neil. Yep. As we get ready for communion, I just wanted to share from that scripture that I love that Romans 8:28. It's uh it's a scripture we quote a lot. I don't know that we really completely understand it, but one of the ways that I like to, to quote it is that we, we usually sometimes we begin with us. We begin with me and, and the problems I'm going through. But the reality is it begins with God. He says, we know, Paul says, we know that God works. And I love reading it that way because it puts the focus on God. It doesn't put the focus on the problem. It doesn't put the focus on the struggle I'm going through. And it doesn't put the focus on my feeling because my feelings can change and my feelings can deceive me and my feelings can fail us. But what do we know about God? The first thing we know is He is at work. God works in all things. And that's a big one because some of the things in life, some things are pleasant. Some things are nice. Some things are not so pleasant. Some things are planned. Some things are not planned, like brain tumors. Uh, we don't plan on having a brain tumor. Some things surprise us. But when we begin with God and we remember that nothing takes Him by surprise, we can know that no matter what we're going through, He is still working. God works in all things for good. God is good, right? God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. We pray that when we're kids. God is great. God is good. I just thank Him for this food. 
Psalm 136, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. If God is good and if God is at work in all things, then He has no choice but to work in all things for our good. And now honestly, that's not easy to see. That's going to be really difficult at times. And sometimes people lose their faith going through these difficult experiences. But that's all the more reason to build a foundation of faith in Scripture to get you through those difficult times. God works in all things for the good of those who love Him. That's tough. Because we want to make the Bible a book of general blessings for everybody. We want to make it like a Hallmark card. We can just give it to anybody. But it is a book of covenant promises. It's a book of promises for those who are in relationship with God. And sadly, not everyone is in a relationship. And so God is looking for people who love Him, who, who are in relationship with Him. Understand, it's, it's, it's not about everybody. It's about those who are in relationship with Him. We know that God works in all things for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. One thing that really bothers me, one thing I really get irritated about is when people say everything happens for a reason. Well, that doesn't bring any comfort, does it? Some of the times the reason is I was stupid and I did something I shouldn't have done. And other times somebody else was stupid and they did something they shouldn't have done. Everything happens for a reason does not bring any comfort. Neil's do doctors told him that the tumor had been growing likely since he was a baby. He may have been born with this tumor. It grew all of his life. We don't see reason in that. We don't see reason in a lot of things. But I think we can see purpose. I think we can see a greater purpose. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says Paul says in him that is in God in Christ we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What is his purpose? His purpose is here. His purpose is you. His purpose is in his church. His purpose is that we gather, grow, and serve. His purpose is that we bless one another and that no one suffers alone. That they know that there's someone going through that with them. And as we live out that purpose, we live out that purpose when we care for each other through those difficult times. We're going to come to the table here in just a moment. And it's a great reminder that in that most difficult time in the upper room and in that difficult time on the cross, that Christ did this for us. He went through that tough time. He, he went through that, that horror, that, that, that terrible time on the cross for you and me. There was purpose in that. And there's a reason we called it last week Good Friday. <laughs> because of the good that God was working for you and me. We're going to stand together and sing and come and remember what Christ did.